Thanks for listening to this segment of the Beyond the Game program. We do hope you enjoy it. Just a reminder that the show is listener-supported. Your financial gifts and prayerful support are critical in helping us air this program and bringing the gospel to thousands of people around the world through Sports Talk Radio. Find out more at our website, btgprogram.com. And once again, thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Christian Sports Medicine Alliance is a sports ministry which uses sports medicine to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all throughout the world, really. Joining us now via the BTG phone line is the president and founder of CSMA, Paul Waller, better known as Doc. Doc, welcome back onto the program, and thanks so much again for joining us. Rick, thank you so much for having me again. It's been a, it's been a while, but it's always good to be back on with you. I want to get right into it. I want to ask you about some soccer injuries. We all know the reputation soccer players have, of course, for flopping. But at the same time, lately, I've seen a number of players at least getting checked out because of a head injury. How prevalent are head injuries in soccer? And do you think it's something that we overlook because football tends to get all the attention? Well, you know, it's funny. I was uh, when we were getting ready for this interview. I, you know, was doing some research, and um, you know, I follow multiple uh, entities that that do stuff to specialize in concussions. And I've been working a lot with soccer. I live in Frisco, Texas. It's um, the home of FC Dallas, the MLS pro team. And, and I've been the last six, seven months. I've been working with their um, developmental academy boys side, and uh, we haven't had a whole lot of boys sustain concussions while I've been here this time around. But we, we see a lot more girls sustaining um, having concussions than boys. And that's just across the board. That is uh, really mainly in high school and middle school. Um, I was reading a, uh, an article the other day that um, says that more girls are sustaining concussions than boys. And they believe that one of the reasons is is because of the lack of development physically at that age that girls have compared to boys. I mean, they, they just don't develop fast, faster, fast, as fast as boys do. Boys are stronger. Um, boys, um, you know, they just, they just are. And so what they're saying basically is if girls can um, work on their upper body strength, work on their, their physically developed, um, physically developing their bodies, that will not necessarily prevent concussions, but it possibly could minimize or you would have less of them. Um, you know, the, the headbands the, 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 that the girls and, the, and some boys are wearing, um, and a lot of them wearing them after they've had sustained the concussion when they come back to play and have their return to play, those don't work. There's really not any concrete evidence that suggests that those types of tools, those, those, those apparatuses, uh, benefit whatsoever. So... You know, we're seeing a lot more concussions, but I think, to be honest with you, as an athletic trainer, that that's what we are trying. We train in that. We, we train in, in how to evaluate them and, and notice them. That's probably the reason. That's one of the reasons why we may be seeing more of them because we're more aware of it. Um, our education's a lot better. We're educating parents a lot better. We're educating coaches a lot better. Um, as athletic trainers, we're more educated. We have more resources, more tools at our disposal now than we did, say, 10, 15 years ago and we're able to handle them a lot better. I'm asking about soccer specifically because our community here in Western New York is really a hotbed for the sport, especially among the youth divisions. And from what I observe, many players just run out in the field and start kicking the ball around. They don't stretch. They don't do anything. 
Are there some precautions mm-hmm. that young soccer players should take to prevent injuries before taking the field? I'm actually sitting here watching uh, one of our developmental academies team, uh, one of our FC Dallas DA teams uh, practice right now, and I know half the kids on this team, and probably one of the best, some of the best athletes at this at this age group in the country. And um, they stress they do have each team with FC Dallas has a sports performance specialist that works with them. They that takes them through their active warm up, um, takes them through their strength training. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. That who is you know from from what we do, who is watching your kids, who's taking care of your kids, and the the club teams and the club sports and even developmental academies up in your area. If they don't have athletic trainers on site, especially for for games and tournaments, we'd love to have them there for practices too. But you're really you're you're not um, you're not setting them up for success. I mean, you're really hurting them. Because um, you know that's what we're trained for. We can we can assess those those uh, issues and um, give suggestions and help and educate the coaches, preventing those types of types of injuries. Because you're right, some of some of these kids, especially at the club level, they just kind of get out there and just go at it. And there's not any um, um, structure to what I call pregame uh, before they actually start playing. We're talking with Doc Waller here on the Beyond the Game program. He's the president and founder of Christian Sports Medicine Alliance. You can follow them on Twitter at TweetCSMA. Look them up on Facebook. They have fabulously informative posts. And everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. I know many schools are now sending athletic trainers with their athletic teams, but uh, some would say that it's just not in the budget to have a trainer. How would you respond to that? We have a saying and it's pretty much universal uh, across the country. If you cannot afford an athletic trainer, then you can't afford an athletic program. Mm. Pretty much uh, cut and dry. We're healthcare providers. Our, uh, our training, our education, our background, our passion, our mission is the health and welfare of the athlete, whether they're in the high school, middle school, club level, travel teams, you know, whatever. Our whole purpose in doing what we do is to make sure that the athlete is taken care of medically and that their health and their welfare and their well-being is um, is our first priority. So that whole uh, notion of, well, we can't afford an athletic trainer. Well, you can. You can afford multiple coaches for your football team. You can You can afford all these other coaches to be on your staff, but you can't afford an athletic trainer. And what 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 are you going to do? That's my question to the coaches. What are you going to do if something happens to your athletes that you're not trained in to take care of? That's what we do. So there's ways that you can that you can get an athletic trainer um, to take care of your athletes, whether it's working with your local hospitals that have a sports medicine department. Uh, you know, we our hospital that I work for here in, in, in Texas in Dallas Fort Worth area, we cover like six thousand events per year. Wow. With uh, yeah, with contract athletic trainers, we cover hockey, we cover everything. You you name it. I mean, I've gone all the way to covering ultimate frisbee, which is by the way one of the greatest sports I've ever covered in my life. It's so much fun. But um, you know, that's just there's ways that to that to get an athletic trainer to your events, to your practices, to your games. You just have to you just have to you just have to want it and. That's one of our goals and our, and our missions is to educate the, the community, the parents, the community, the coaches, the administrators, that um, 
if you can't afford an athletic trainer, there's no reason why you should be able to afford an athletic program. Once again, we're talking with Doc Waller of Christian Sports Medicine Alliance at Tweet CSMA. Can you take a few moments and tell us about the ministry side of what you do with CSMA? Absolutely, yeah. Christian Sports Medicine Alliance, uh, was uh, we started that in 2009. We have been in ministry for uh, 10 years, I guess. Yeah, 10 years. Um, we have gone pretty much all over the world. We've gone to the Philippines. We've gone to Africa. We've made several, several trips to um, Bethlehem and the Holy Land. Um, we're looking at long-term, possibly long-term uh, strategic uh, ministry opportunities at Bethlehem University. Um, right now, our main focus, to be honest, our main focus is Central America. We ha- I have been to um, working quite uh, extensively in the country of Belize and Honduras. And we're working with the, um, in Belize, we're working with the Football Federation of Belize. And at Honduras, we're working with the Olympic um, Committee and one of the local universities there. The reason why we want to pick Central America is because Central America is easy to get in and out of for our volunteers, um, cost-effective, and it's just uh, it's a it's a hotbed because there's absolutely nothing going on in the way of sports medicine in these countries that we have seen. And um, you know, as as healthcare providers, as athletic trainers, and which is just one component of the entire umbrella of sports medicine, our um, our uh, mission is to expand our profession. Christian Sports Medicine Alliance obviously has the ultimate mission of expanding the kingdom. And we use our platform, our skills to develop those relationships with those people in those countries, uh, with the, the local um, um, governments, the organizations, the federations that we're working with to provide them with the education, um, the equipping them with the resources um, and serving them. Um, we've been given space a facility in both countries to open up the very first sports medicine clinics, provide them with a service, provide them with uh, volunteers that will go in and do assessments and uh, treatments and rehab and education clinics, teaching CPR, first aid, um, establishing um, something that, uh, you know, with, you know, we're talking about concussions, uh, doing baseline testing in these countries, establishing concussion protocols in these countries, and just really using that entire our entire profession to um, share the gospel. It's a really really good opportunity. We're trying to, you know, Rick, we're trying to raise money right now to um, get the proper equipment into these two facilities that we have in both these countries. So we really would love your listeners if they would be um, mindful and pray about possibly supporting our efforts in Belize and Honduras. They can go to our website at christiansportsmed.org and uh, click on the Central American Sports Medicine Campaign and uh, read about what we're wanting to do and what we feel like God has called us to do. But most importantly, help us, through our gifts and our skills, take the gospel of Jesus Christ to these countries and to um, impact the lives of athletes, impact the lives of of these coaches, these administrators, these physicians that are in these countries that possibly do not know Jesus. And we have a way of reaching them because we're like-minded and um, and caring for those uh, individuals. Mm. How is it that, let me ask you about you personally, how did you first uh, identify your need for Christ and become a believer in Jesus? 
Mm. Yeah, that was way back. I'm, I'm, I just turned 50 this year, so that was way back. I am born and raised in Texas. Um, I was born, I was uh, raised in the uh, Southern Baptist Church and um, part of a program within the um, Southern Baptist um, denomination was called uh, Royal Ambassadors. And I uh, went to a uh, an RA camp. Uh, I can't, it's been, it's been so I've been so long ago. It's been a long time. Probably, I guess, back when I was probably seven, eight, nine years old, went to an RA camp and um, was presented the gospel by one of our camp counselors and 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 then and just really realized then at that early age that who I was at that point in time, which was a sinner, and that I needed a savior. And I accepted Christ um, as my savior. And it's been a it's been a journey. I'll put it to you that way. It has been a journey, obviously, in, in the journey of a, of a Christian. Um, there is some some hard times. There's some rocky roads. There's some uphill battles. There's some valleys. There's some peaks, um, mountaintop experiences. There's all of it. Um, but obviously, I would not change in a thing that um, the Lord has brought me, um, that has led me through on this journey, this faith walk. To hear your testimony of coming to Christ through a camp experience, I, I often wonder how many people come to Christ through camps or some sort of weekend retreat or, or summer camp. Mm-hmm. That number has got to be amazing. It is. And, you know, Rick, the thing that, you know, I've, the older I've gotten, one, the one thing I, I regret, I guess, if I had to say regret, is I didn't have anybody growing up necessarily discipling me. Because I believe that, that once you believe in who Jesus is and you confess and you accept him for who he is in our lives and who he was and who he is, that there's got to be somebody that can come alongside you and fulfill that extra part of the Great Commission, which is making disciples. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I really didn't, I didn't really have anybody that you know, that helped me, that discipled me, that, that challenged me, that sat with me until later in life. And um, it was at my first high school, my principal of all people, the people that the guy that hired me at my my very first high school. I was there for almost, I was there for a little over four years. And for three, almost four years while I was there, he and I met every single week and he discipled me. He helped me grow. He helped me learn how to study the word and how to apply that to my life. You know, I believe that if I had that man in my life, that I, I don't know if if my faith journey would be at it, where it is right now. Um, so um, I think discipleship is so key. And that is one thing that we want to do on our projects, is we want to not just go in for one week and then leave. We want to be there sustainable. We want to be there long-term, helping the athletes and discipling them and reaching them and sharing the Christ with them on a consistent basis. Well, man, that's a great word on the power of discipleship and how important it is. Before we let you go, how can we pray for you? Well, just, you know, pray for, you know, obviously pray for me as as the the leader of this organization that I'll continue to be obedient. But, uh, you know, most of all, we just, we need partners. I would love for your, for some of your listeners to, you know, reach out to me or just partner with us financially or through prayer or volunteering, uh, you know, spreading the word up in the, up, up in your area. You know, that's really basically how you can help us and pray for us and be a part of what we're doing. Once again, give us that website or how our listeners can get a hold of you should they want to partner with you if God calls them to get involved in Christian Sports Medicine Alliance. Yep, you can uh, You can always follow us on Twitter at TweetCSMA. 
Um, we have a Facebook page. It's, it's Christian Sports Medicine Alliance. We're po- constantly posting educational content on yeah, good stuff. You know, injuries and I mean, there's we really have. There's been a, we've been really trying to be more uh, proactive about that and posting a lot of stuff on there, um, just educational material. Um, our website is uh, christiansportsmed.org. You can uh, email me directly if you would like at paul at christiansportsmed.org and uh, just, you know, kind of share with me what's what's going on in your life. If you want to get involved in some way, just let me know. Paul, thanks so much for joining us here once again on the Beyond the Game program, and, and I wish you all the best, and we'll be praying for your ministry. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. That's Paul Waller of Christian Sports Medicine Alliance at TweetCSMA on Twitter or check them out at ChristianSportsMed.org. That's ChristianSportsMed.org. Time for a break. I hope you'll stick around along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. <laughs> 